Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Unfortunately, you come on the last week of our series on the book of Habakkuk. Um, you can get them online if you're really genuinely disappointed. Um, um, or you can just listen to it and try and catch it. Okay, um, okay so we're going to begin this with, um, uh, with a song. chapter 3 of Habakkuk could have easily begun with him but once he had recognised what had gone on him putting on his speaker and his music and him dancing around the room that's how it could have begun this is what the beginning of chapter 3 says and this is the amplified version of the Bible a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to wild, enthusiastic and triumphal music Because what's happened at the beginning of chapter 3 is a few things have fallen into place in his mind and it's just set him free. It's set him free. And uh, if I could summarise it, I'd summarise it like this, that, that Habakkuk had found the freedom of rest. The freedom of rest, the freedom of realising, do you know what? It's all in God's hands. Yeah? And so he sings, doesn't make much to me, take much to make me happy. Yeah? Now Pauline, my wife, came up to me as that song was playing, and she said, none of it's good in my life. 
I'm going to send these other very, very evil people to punish you. And Habakkuk struggles with that reality. He struggles with the fact that God is going to send people even more evil than Judah, the people of God, to punish Judah. He struggles with it. He wrestles with it. He couldn't quite understand it. It didn't make any sense to him in terms of who God was and what God was like. And uh, we, we just talked, even as we've gone on this journey, we've talked about that reality for us. And even today, as we've, we've prayed for things outside of ourselves, we recognise that there are things going on in the world, and we're looking at them, and we're thinking, God, why do you allow such evil? Why do you seem to tolerate things that are plainly wrong? And why do really evil people seem to triumph over good people? Why does that seem to be happening? These were not just Habakkuk's problems, they're our problems. And they're not just our problems, they're problems whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. You still look at the world, you still see injustice, but it's what you do. Because if you're not a Christian, where do you go for hope? Where do you find hope when you realise you have no control over anything? Where do you go for hope when you realise your government has no control over anything. Where do you go for hope? And so Habakkuk is really relevant uh, to us in this day. And it was interesting just talking to some friends of ours yesterday. And they were, they were saying that they had friends and in their church they're doing Habakkuk. Yeah, so we're not doing people. They're looking at Habakkuk. Why? I, think, I just think Habakkuk is so relevant to the world in which we live today. How do we respond and deal with the evil that we see around us. And how do we respond as Christians in a Christian Not just respond like everybody does, but how do we respond according to faith? And then when you look at the story of Habakkuk, you realise it's a journey of faith. And it begins with the questioning. It begins with the struggling of, God, why do you seem to allow evil? And then God's response shocks Habakkuk. God says, oh, I'm going to make it even worse. And Habakkuk is shocked by that. And then Habakkuk goes, I don't understand, that doesn't make any sense. Let me just remind myself of what you're like, God. And then God comes back in and he says to Habakkuk, look, and he looks at this last one. Yeah, I am coming. I'm going to bring restitution. I'm going to bring judgment here. And he wasn't at that point talking about Judah, he was talking about Babylon, who was going to then who initially was going to punish Judah. And then he says to Habakkuk, and it's really interesting, it's God who uses these words. God says to Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. So he points him into the direction of, you need to trust me. You need to trust me. You need to hold on. And so Habakkuk goes through all of those wrestlings and all of those strugglings, and he comes out the other side and he says, God, I've heard about you. He almost accepts what's going to go on and he says, in your wrath, God, which I can see is surely coming, remember mercy. Because that's what you're like. You see, God is not the sort of God who out of spite cruelly wipes people out. In his punishment, God is always merciful. He's always merciful. He always brings mercy to us. So we've been looking at that over the weeks, and we've been looking at that from our own perspective, because I know that question of why, why is there such evil in the world is a hurdle for people who don't know God. 
Yeah? If, if your God is so great, if your God is so loving, why does he allow evil? So I know that's a real question for them, and it's a hurdle for them. But I also know it's a hurdle for us. And it's a hurdle for us going deeper in faith. Because what we often do is we get stuck. Yeah, the question's there. Why does God seem to allow evil? Actually, we can go deeper into faith, just as Habakkuk has done. And it's my prayer that that is exactly what we will do. We will go deeper into our faith because of what God has done. So we come to this final chapter. I'm just going to mention a few things and then I'm going to just, just, just look at some of the things that we think we've learned about God over these few weeks. So the first thing we see is Habakkuk has heard, he's obviously heard about God. And it's obvious he's heard about God. He grew up in, in, in Israel, he grew up in Judah, he would have been taught about God and God and his ways. He's now experiencing them for himself, that has challenged him, but he still remembers, I've heard about you, God. I've heard about what you're like. I know that, yeah, you're going to judge, but also I, I ask that you would bring, you would be merciful to people. He looks back, we didn't read it, but if you look at the, the verses between 3 and 15 in chapter, in, in chapter 3, Habakkuk looks back and he recounts God's mighty acts of deliverance for Israel, where God has come and he's punished and he's, he's restored. He recounts them, he just thinks about them. He reminds himself that God is a creator warrior. That God created everything, but he wars against those who war against him. And it's really interesting that God, God is a warrior who will fight your enemies, but you know what? God will also fight you. Yeah? Because God is seeking to bring you into line with his purposes. Yeah? And I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel this. I don't, this is not meant to be particularly spiritual, but I sometimes feel this. I sometimes look around and think, oh my goodness. It just feels like God is pushing me into a direction that I don't want to go. I sometimes feel the struggle. I'm like, no, I don't want to go here, but I want to be over there. And I just feel the sense God's moving me, moving me. Circumstances are, are, are having such an effect on me that I'm moving in a direction that I wasn't choosing. I don't know if you ever feel that. But it's almost like, and you realise, oh, I'm, I'm not battling here against my circumstances or the devil. I'm battling God here. And there's that moment in the New Testament, isn't there, when um, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they get the disciples, they get Peter and John, and they're all arguing about them, and, then, and they want to punish them and all that type of stuff. And one of them says, we just need to be careful here, because if God is with these people, nothing will stop them. And if God is with these people, you're just fighting God. And he doesn't say this, but he could say Fighting God is silly. You can't, you'll never win. You'll never win. And so God, yes, he wars on our behalf. He delivers us from our enemies. He fights on our behalf. But do you know what? God will also fight you. He'll fight to get your heart. He will fight to win you. He'll fight to bring you to the place where he can use you in his purposes. Yeah? That's what he did for Moses. And again, I mentioned that the other week. He, he took Moses. You remember Moses was, Moses was always called. He was always called of God. And yet at 40 years old, he goes out and he's 
in his own strength, he tries to bring about the deliverance in Israel that he had in his heart to bring out. He goes out in his own strength, he fails abysmally, he runs away, and for 40 years God fights him. Yeah? God gets him to the place of absolute surrender. To the point where Moses says, don't send me. Yeah? Can you imagine that? If you think about the thing that you really feel passionate about, that you feel God has called you to, that you're really, it's really in your heart, can you imagine that moment, you get into that moment where Moses did, where you say really genuinely from the heart, And it's at that point that God says, She's ready. It's the moment when you're fighting back to not do the thing. Not when you're fighting to do the thing. And so God wants to do that for you and for me. And so what that means is, don't think every time things are difficult for you in your life, hurdles are coming up, and circumstances are struggling, don't always think it's the devil. Oh, I'm having to battle the devil here. You know, I don't feel caught to this and everything seems to be stopping me. Oh, it must be the devil. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes God's saying, do you know what, don't be silly. Just follow me. And so we need to get to that place where we recognize, oh, God is you. And Habakkuk gets there. He's heard about God. He looks back about all those times of deliverance. But you know what he also does in verse 16? He accepts the inevitable. He accepts the inevitable. And he says to God, I will wait patiently. I'll wait patiently. And it's worth just pausing here for a moment. Because Habakkuk writes these words, we're told, around 605 BC. Um, and it's about 19 years before Judah are eventually taken over by Babylon. Yeah, 19 years. It's about 70 years before Babylon are then punished for their sin of taking over Judah. Yeah, it's about 70 years. And Habakkuk is sitting in a space, in a place, where he admits to God and he says to him, I will wait patiently for the calamity to come. Can you imagine that? Imagine for a moment that you're seeing all this stuff going on in the world, and you get to the place with God, and you go, I'm going to wait, God. I'm going to watch, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to act, I'm not going to do. That seems the absolute opposite of what we sometimes think it means to be Christian. Because to be Christian, it seems to us, is to help, is to get involved, is to be active, is to sort out, is to, oh, you know, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. That's, that's what we consider to be Christian, but at times, like Habakkuk, to be Christian is to go, I will accept that God, you are in control. He accepts the inevitable. And having accepted the inevitable, that's when Habakkuk can rest. He can rest in the sovereign purposes of God, knowing that God is fully in control and that he can trust him. It's the final sign, if you like, his rest, that he has made the journey of faith, and that his faith has become stronger. He had faith at the beginning, he believed in God, by the end his faith is stronger, because he's seen things, he's understood things about God that he did not know before. 
And do you know what? I'm sure if you look back in your life, you probably see and understand things now that you didn't know before. The question is, has it made your faith stronger or weaker? Do you trust God more or less? Because the whole purpose of it is that you would trust Him more. That you would give, that you would look to Him for hope. And having rested, having had his faith strengthened, he rejoices. Yeah? Best of my life. He rejoices. He looks to God. He recognizes, Joe, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is trust you. Yeah? All I can do is look to you. That's what he does. And so it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful conclusion. Remember, there were some weeks when it got a bit low. But actually, in the end, it was always going to come out. Not because it was a, um, a fairy tale, but because in the end, if you allow God to mould and shape and work in you, if you are allow God to humble you, and not just to be humbled in a moment, but to be clothed in humility, which I'm being challenged by in my, one of my readings in the book by Andrew Murray, I'm being challenged, oh, it's not that God can't humble and break us at different points, he can, but he wants us to be clothed in humility. And that clothing in humility um, displays itself most in my relationship with others. It's very easy to be humble before God at one level. It's very easy for me in my bedroom to fall on my knees and say, God, I worship you. It's very easy to do that. It's a lot more difficult to show humility to my brothers and sisters. It's a lot more difficult to show humility to people who have me. It's a lot more difficult. And yet sometimes it can be very easy. So, so God wants us to be clothed in humility. He wants us to be a church of humility. As Habakkuk calls. And Habakkuk. So what I'm just going to do for the next um, few minutes is I'm just going to really ask a couple of questions or look at a couple of things. I don't normally do this kind of thing, but because we've been through Habakkuk together over the last few weeks, I just want to look, what have we learned about God from the book of Habakkuk? Now some people say, and I put this in my update last week, that you know it's all about Jesus and you know if you come to Jesus, and it's not that I don't believe it's about Jesus, you don't understand it. But you can learn so much about God from the Old Testament. Yeah? And it comes to you in a slightly different way. And it, and it just reinforces what you already know about God. And I found that. So I'm going to just go through some things that we learn about God from this book. And then things we learn about Habakkuk and faith from this book. So what do we learn about God from the book of Habakkuk? I'm not going to give you the references. They're all there. I mean, it's all there in the book. Um, and I can show you First of all, we, we learn that God hears our complaints. And that's really helpful to know. Yeah? God hears you. When you complain, He hears you. So He's the person to complain to. Yeah? More than anyone else, God is the person to complain to. God is the person to take your stuff to. Yeah? You might have stuff and you want to, oh, I'm going to talk to the pastor about that. Yeah? Go to God. <laughs> 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 that sounds like a but, but God is the person to speak to. Yeah? And Habakkuk went to God with his complaints. Secondly, God responds to complaints. But you do have to look 
Yeah? Don't expect, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for God to respond. God responds to your plans in some way. Maybe he gives you peace, I don't know. Maybe something happens. But God responds to the plans. We see that in the book of Habakkuk. God embraces and comforts Habakkuk. The word, the name Habakkuk means embrace. And simply by allowing Habakkuk to complain and by responding to him, God is embracing him and his questions. God embraces you. It's personal. God is personal like that. Yeah? He's not distant. He's personal. And we don't just see that in Jesus, although we obviously do, but we can see that even in this story of Habakkuk, that God is personal. <coughs> then we find, and this is a wonderful truth, God is in control. It tells us God is in control of everything. Yeah? He's, he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. It, nothing is caught him by surprise. The Babylonians haven't arisen and God's wondering what to do. Yeah, God is in control. We can tell from the, our government's response to some of the most powerful people in the world, their response to the Ebola crisis, to what's going on in Syria and Iraq and Turkey, we can tell that they're not in control. Yeah? You can invest into someone massive power, but they are not in control. The world is a little bit more complex than that. But God is in control. He shows us that in this. Secondly, we see, or next, we see that God knows everything. Yeah, you read in the first chapter of Habakkuk, God can tell you what the Babylonians are like. He will tell you their reputation. He knows about them. He knows everything. You might think that you can do things, and as long as nobody on the, in the world sees, nobody sees. But God sees them always like it's on TV. It's a, bit, it's a bit embarrassing. God knows everything. Then we find that God answers prayer. So Habakkuk makes these complaints. He prays. God answers his prayer. The people can pray. He, he encourages the people to pray. God answers the prayers. <coughs> Next we see God is different from us. Yeah? Let's not make God into our own image. Let's not reduce him. Yes, we're created in his image. He is not created in our image. He is different from us. Which means his response to stuff is different to our response to stuff. Because God sees the end from the beginning. And he sees the beginning from the end. So when we see injustice in a moment, and it looks to us like God is doing nothing, God is doing stuff. And in the end, although it doesn't look like it to us, in the end, the world will appear just. You might think, oh no, that's unjust, that happened, what about that child that died, that was in there. In the end, when we see it from God's perspective, it will be just. Because God is just. He sees the whole picture. We only see parts of the picture. And, and tiny, tiny parts of that. Next we see that God appoints the time for things. So, God knew that it was going to be a number of years before Babylon was going to come into Judah. And he also knew that Judah was going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And he says that. So he knows when he's going to bring about his purposes. He knows. And you know what? God hasn't changed in that regard. Our world has changed in that we've become very fast to stuff. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, you don't need to spend long doing anything. 
buy cookbooks that say meals in 15 minutes. Yeah, 30 years ago, that would be unheard of. You have to peel the potatoes an hour. Now you can buy things in 15 minutes. And, and do you know what our danger is? Is that we take that kind of mentality and we, I like to use this term, we Christianize it. We think God's going to do everything in our time. God, you know when you're going to break in? Come on. Habakkuk had to wait 19 years. I don't, I don't mean that to depress you. You think, oh God, no. Yeah? God appoints a time for things. He doesn't rush things like we do. Yeah? And we have to be careful because we live in a world where things get done overnight, where things get done in a moment. We live in a world at that time where you could achieve every dream. You know, people make bucket lists and think about your bucket list. Is it, it just gets longer. There are more things you want to do and there are more places you want to go and there are more people you want to see. There are more books you want to read. There are more films you want to see. You could spend all your life just trying to fulfill your bucket list and something else will come along and say, oh my goodness, I don't know that. God appoints the time of this. He doesn't change. His purposes are carrying on at the same pace as they can always be. And he, he's not in that sense affected by our rush, rush, rushness. Next, God, it's God who points Habakkuk to faith. And, and I love that because that, that verse in, in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, where it talks about the righteous will live by his faith. That, that's what it says. That, that's the verse that gets repeated in Romans that, that, uh, that, that persuades Luther that salvation was a grace gift and not something that you had to work for. It changed the way we do church. It changed the way we believe salvation happened. And it was God who spoke those words. They weren't the Apostle Paul's words, they weren't Habakkuk's words. God said that righteous will live by its faith. And we need to trust. It's an element where you just need to trust me. And then we see that God sees the motives of the heart. He doesn't just know everything and see everything. He sees the motives. He sees why you do stuff. I find that scary. Yeah? Because you might applaud me for doing something, and in my heart, God's like, you didn't do it for that job. I'll give you that. And you read that in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk 2. It, it, he describes why the Babylonians are doing all of this. He knows. He understands. And it's always been my heart that we would get a better, a more correct idea of what God is actually like. He's not distant out there. But he is set apart. He is different. But he is personal. He is individual. But he does judge. And he judges his people as much as he judges other people. Yeah? He values faithfulness. Yeah? Now, now, we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. And, and, and all, all those things are true. But God does value faithfulness. He really does. It does matter to him. So then what do we learn about Habakkuk and therefore about us through this journey of faith. And this is important for us. If we, if we really want to be able to hold on to God when it comes to big issues and problems and that we don't want to become resentful and bitter and, and just respond in the way that everyone else responds, but we want to respond according to faith and in a way that honours God, we can learn some stuff from him. Habakkuk prays and brings his concerns to God. And I can only encourage you to do that. Yeah? 
Believe God answers prayer and come to him. Believe him and come to him. Secondly, Habakkuk laments. He, he learns how to pray that really deep prayer that comes up from your gut where you don't know, you don't have the words. It's like John talked about earlier. Sometimes the problems in the world are so big that we can't even articulate what's going on. They're so big. Or maybe something's happened tragic and you know about it or something that's close to you and you don't know how to pray. There's a deep prayer. God has given us the ability to lament, to come to him. And in some ways it's that prayer that comes with groanings. It's that prayer of, oh God, oh God. God gives us that ability. Let's use it. Don't think, oh no, let's I pray joyful prayers. Do you know what? Joyful prayers will last you so long. Because sometimes you need to get down and you say, oh God, I don't understand God, but I still trust you. I don't understand, I don't know why these things are happening, but I trust you. Habakkuk is shocked and surprised by God's ways. Yeah? Now at one level I'd say to Habakkuk, don't be shocked and surprised. It's obvious God's, you know, he just has different ways. But he is. And to be honest, we are. And, and we don't think about it because we don't, we're not shocked in the sense of, oh, you know, God's shocked me there. We're shocked in the sense that when things don't work out in the way that we think they ought to, we get surprised. Oh. Well, why didn't that happen? I don't understand. Why don't you? God, I don't get it. I don't get how you work. Sometimes we will be shocked and surprised, and we shouldn't be surprised that we're shocked and surprised because God is much bigger than us. We can't contain him in our minds. He sees it all. We don't. God is omniscient. God is, God is unchanging. One of the differences between us and God is we need to rest within every 24 hours. We need to sleep. Most of us need to sleep at some point. Yesterday I was with Thierry. He was sleeping. Normally I sleep, but he was sleeping. <laughs> within a period of 24 hours, there'll be moments where you close your eyes and you know. Yeah? God doesn't do that. <laughs> I don't find God sleeping, and he's been there for eternity. That's a massive difference. We sleep, he doesn't. So he sees it, oh, I miss things. Oh, I miss things. God doesn't miss stuff. Next we find that Habakkuk's belief in God is tested. And so will yours be. And so will mine be. And that's why we need to go deeper. Yeah? When, when it's tested, the idea isn't that we just stop and go, oh, it's a bit hard now. Being a Christian is difficult. I don't understand. I'm just going to. No. When it's tested, you need to go back to God. Habakkuk struggles to understand God. So he's shocked and surprised. He finds that his belief is tested and he struggles to understand him. Good. Good. Struggling to understand God is why you go deeper in God. If you hang on to him, if you wrestle with him, we must learn to do it, brothers and sisters. We must. Otherwise our faith becomes, remains immature. And immature faith is what causes people to get knocked. It's what causes you to go, oh, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's, that's immature faith. Mature faith wrestles with God, struggles with God. And then in his struggle, what Habakkuk does, and it's really helpful for us, he reminds himself of who God is. Oh, you're the everlasting one. You're the eternal one. You're good. 
He reminds himself of what he knows about God. How often are we doing that? Reminding ourselves of what do we know about God? What do I read about him? What do I believe about him? And then we find that Habakkuk waits and he continues with his daily life. And this is big for us because we're not very good at waiting. We're not very good at just hanging and, and watching and waiting for God to answer. Our response often is, well, I'm not hearing anything, so I'm going to do something. And in fact, we encourage that because we see that as leadership. You know, you're all standing in a group. You ever been there? You're all standing in a group. You're not sure what to do. Everyone's standing on you. you know, and someone goes, oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take charge. And I'll off we go. Yeah? And we go, oh, great, that's better than that. Yeah? But really, when it comes to God, there are times when you just need to wait. Yeah? And not, not go ahead with your ideas. There are times when you just need to wait. That's why it says in, the, in that passage, have a two, three, don't linger, wait for it. Wait for it. And then we find Habakkuk accepts God's way. And that's about surrender. That's about you and I going, I don't know, get it. Gosh, I believe that this is what's going to happen. I can trust you. So the, so the fight goes. You're not struggling anymore with God. Habakkuk's faith and trust in God are strengthened. So if you want to be stronger in faith, you want to be stronger in trust, accept his ways. Wait for him. And then Habakkuk rejoices and he receives hope. There are moments where we must rejoice. There are moments where we must give praise. Yeah? Whether it's, you know, make, make the most of it on a Sunday. You know, John said, I want us to lift the roof. Yeah? Make the most of it on a Sunday to, to rejoice, to give praise. If you can do it on your own and you don't find it weird just singing along to Christian songs and raising your hands and prancing around your room, do it. Yeah? If you can do it with others in an even more weird sort of way, might be a bit weird that, but, but, but you must find ways and places where you rejoice, where you give thanks, where you let it out. When you recognise who God is, because that's how you cement the fact that you really do trust Him. That's that. That's almost like the thing that closes the door. Okay, I'm through here. I trust you. It's a moment, and we all need to get there. And do you know what the final thought I had on, on Habakkuk, his journey of faith, and I think this is massive for us. It's massive for me. Is Habakkuk discovered that God was enough? God was enough. Because we don't get Habakkuk talking to anybody else. His battle is with the Lord. His struggle is with the God of the heavens. It's almost like every morning he wakes in his room and he has this wrestle with God. Sometimes we take the view that God isn't quite enough. And I need, I'll explain because I don't want you to miss me. And I need other people. I need other stuff. I need this and I need that. And God, yeah, okay. And I'm like this, I'm genuinely like this. And look, if only you could just do that, it would really help me and trust me more. But do you know what? There can come a moment when you realise, oh God, yeah, I love all the things that you've given me. But in my heart, I recognize you enough. 
something's happened inside of him that makes him go, is it enough? And so that means when I serve, when I minister, when I build relationships, when I reach out, when I pray, I'm not doing it from a place of need. I'm not doing it from a place of, oh, I've got something I need to sort out in me and I, and I, I find I get something when I give that out to you. I'm not doing it in a place of insecurity. I'm, I'm serving you because I'm, there's an insecurity in me and then when you affirm me, I feel bad. No, I'm not doing it from that because I've realised in my heart, I'm like, is enough. Yeah? Oh, I prayed for that moment where I realised, oh God, you're enough. Because yeah? I don't feel it often enough. Sometimes I'm too busy. Why well, what We have all these questions, but we see in the book of Habakkuk, he comes to that place. And the whole book shows you, God was enough to Habakkuk. It was enough. And so I can only encourage you to push through with God. And even as I've begun to push through, I discover places and things about God that I didn't know. I didn't know. It's deep. It's not based on anything that I see on the outside. It's in my heart. And God wants each of us to have that kind of relationship. And he doesn't just want it. He, he's expectant that, that, that during the week there'll be moments where you turn your face towards him. And you go, God, thank you. You reach out to him. You, you hit a moment of crisis or problem, you're not sure what to do. And whereas in the past you'd have gone, oh, let me just, I'm just phone calling you. What I do is I phone calling, not always, not always because I want advice, but because I just want to bounce my thoughts. Yeah. So I already know what I want to do, I just want to check that it doesn't sound really weird. But sometimes I need to go, God, you're enough. And I want us to go there. So we've looked at Habakkuk, and next week we begin a different series looking at walking how Jesus walked. It's also going to be good. But we've looked at Habakkuk, and you know the reasons I wanted to do that was because I, I wanted us to get to a place where we would respond according to faith to the things that we see in the world. We wouldn't respond just according to the way we respond. We wouldn't panic. We would look to God. I think we're going to worship while we stand and I'm just going to cry and the band will come up. Not sure. Can we stand and we're just going to...
that this book is in the Bible. That there is a book that speaks very directly to why evil happens. Why you seem to allow bad people to prosper. And God in Habakkuk, we see him facing those questions head on. And we see him coming to a place of absolute trust and blessing. And Father, it's our hearts that we would come to that very place ourselves. That we would recognize that at the cross where Jesus died, it was all painful. The debt was paid. The fight was won. The victory was achieved. And it isn't about what we do. It isn't about how much we work at it. You didn't die in order that we could then go, right now, I've got to get on. You died in order that we could be set free. We can have our sins forgiven. And we can enter the very throne. And we do it all by grace. So this morning we ask that you would be very present, even in this final song. I pray that there will be an anticipation and expectation of you coming and meeting with us in these moments. We ask you. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.